episode 30 of Roots and Branches here at New Life Evangelical Free Church. My name is Paul Arneberg, director of Disciple by Doing with Pastor Brent Compelin, not my sidekick, my faithful <laughs> co-host companion here at New Life in North Hastings. And uh, episode 30, I've been saving this one, Brent, but I love the number 30 biblically uh-huh. because three big guns were about 30 years old when he or they each started their ministries. Joseph yeah. in Egypt. Uh, David, as king, remember he was about 17 when he killed Goliath, but he was 30 when he became king, and then Jesus himself, yeah. around 30 years old. Yeah. So episode 30, think of those three titans. Of course, Jesus is God, therefore he's not exactly their peer, but <laughs> nonetheless, uh, chronologically speaking, yeah. there's something special about 30, and as I just mentioned, we're now in our 30s. We're in our 30s, as I can't are. believe it. <laughs> yeah, well, I, you know, I, I don't know, maybe a sense of we've lived some life now with this yes. podcast, and now we can really hit our stride in our 30s. That's right. And a uh, Give you a question, Brent. How old was Adam when he was created? Oh, gosh. That's not a fair question. <laughs> That's a trick question. Uh, he was zero. He was zero, but yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, but, not but a baby. I've heard some say uh, that maybe he was about 30 because that's the fullness of maturity. And yeah. I think in the rabbinical uh, tradition, one had to be 30 before he could become a rabbi, which yeah. is part of why Jesus waited till he was 30. All right. So now by way of more um, innocuous introduction, I'll just say that now that we're in the heart of December, we have uh, Christmas a few, a couple of weeks away as we record. This And by the way, these podcasts are all uh, rather timeless, so if you are behind, don't feel bad if you're listening to this in the middle of the summer, but um, I will say December, other than Christmas, of course, and family, of course, one of my favorite things to do in the doldrums of the onset of winter are movies. I really love movies. You know that if you know me as a person, you know these podcasts, I love movies, but specifically action movies are a great sort of a veg out thing, and this does lead into our topic for today, but uh three genres of movies I will just uh, uh, point out are fantasy like Lord of the Rings, uh, action adventure like Bourne, the Bourne series, and sports movies like Miracle. And one thing they all have in common, I'll I'll even name drop further, Aragorn in Lord of the Rings, Jason Bourne played by Matt Damon and then also Jeremy Renner, and also Miracle, Miracle on Ice, which is the movie about the uh, 1980 Olympic hockey team getting gold medal. The thing that's common about those movies, if you were to watch them closely, like I have many, many times, is that just before, let's say, Aragorn is going to fight the Urukai on Amun Hen at the end of the first Lord of the Rings. He gets really calm, and he puts the sword up to his face. And when I first thought, saw that 22 years ago, I thought, okay, he's dead. I didn't know the outcome. I didn't read the book yet. But all of a sudden, he was taking on 100 orcs. And then in Bourne, <laughs> I, I watched the commentary, too. And when Doug Lyman, the director of the first Bourne, the Bourne Identity, said whenever Jason Bourne was about to get really heavy into action, like a chase scene, he would calm down. Mm. He said... Do you take care of this car? And then he would he would kind of go on this great chase team through downtown Paris. And then Miracle, just before the climactic game at the end of that movie, before the gold medal match, or, or really the uh, the match against the Russians, which was, yeah, for practical purposes, the gold medal match, they were all really praying. Uh, uh, Craig, the goalie, was praying, and everything was calm. The whole point is yeah. that... Uh, when we are calm, we're more apt to be maximum with physical, spiritual, and mental uh, capac- capacity. And so, Brent, the, yeah. the title of this podcast today mm-hmm. is Anxious to Peaceful. And take those movie analogies in mind uh, and think about how can we 
capture the challenges of life by entering it calmly without anxiety. So Brent, set us up. By the way, this is our transformational outcome. We took a little bit of a break since the summer, but we're now halfway through. This is number seven of 12, anxious to peaceful transformational outcomes that relate to our Disciple by Doing ministry strategy. Yeah, we've been doing that series. I love these transformational outcomes because they really illustrate the cultural context that we're in and even some of the I'll call it um, false gospels or ways, like sort of um, ways that the world tries to have kingdom fruit, but without the king, without Christ. Yes. <laughs> and and that's really ultimately fruitless. But we're saying, okay, we live in a very anxious age, mm-hmm. and us as Bible-believing, gospel-believing, Christ-centered Christians, we want to embody, and we really believe that the gospel, resu- like the results of the gospel work in our lives by uh, through Jesus is a peaceful life. It's the peace of Christ. It's the shalom of yes, God. Yeah. And so we live in an anxious age. We want to see us all being transformed and move from anxious to peaceful. And that's yes. what we're going to talk about today. Excellent. And we have all sorts of scriptures we can refer to. And of course, personal anecdotes and things like that. And also, I will say, we did just drop two episodes in August of 2023 that were from busy to restful. Yep. And when we were talking yesterday, Brent, about the podcast schedule, which by the way, we're starting a schedule that goes all the way through next summer. So we're really good about being weekly with with giving this content out from busy to restful is not an overlap completely much of the biblical truth and god's truth does overlap but busy to restful if you want to go back and listen those are episodes 25 and 26 now at episode 30 from uh from anxious to peaceful this will also be a two-parter but just consider those separate and yet they overlap and yeah. so peace is such a uh, amazing biblical concept. We, we hear of amazing grace. We also have to think about amazing peace of the Lord, which does surpass all understanding. And we'll get to Philippians 4, uh, 6, and 7 in a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Well, let's set this up by talking about the uh, the context we live in, in, in today. So I think as we've done with these transformational outcomes, we reflect a little bit first on what is the context, what's the kind of culture that we find ourselves in, where what in what way does the world around us and even in this is is often sometimes how we find ourselves uh living in a way that we need to to um um, be honest about and then address with what is the gospel um, sort of solution or, or 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 speaking into that situation, a way to redeem it. Yes. And so the world that we're living in is, as we said, an incredibly anxious time. I mean, mm. I think you can see that in so many practical ways yes. in the amount, I mean, not only just broadly speaking, the amount of turmoil across the world, and that's geopolitical and all kinds of other mm-hmm. things, but it's also... As, as people around us in our culture talk about a, a mental health crisis and yes. a generation of young people who are addicted to social media, who have uh, a struggling with social skills or struggling to be able to have, um, I guess, productive, fruitful, you know, young adulthood, there's, there's every generation this affects. We mm-hmm. see that the proliferation of different anxiety medications. And oh, yes. I realize, as a side note, there are certain instances of where I, we understand that that, that, that is necessary. Um, but there is a sense of a an overwhelming anxiety mm-hmm. around us. Yes, and 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 I think um, there is so much to be said about the peace that is offered through Jesus yes. that we're going to talk about. But so a way to tee this up, there's a book that I have read uh, recently. Came out um, maybe a, a year or two ago. Now it was 2022, so almost you know over a year ago. Uh, there's a pastor in Australia named Mark Sayers who wrote a book called A Non-Anxious Presence, 
a non-anxious presence. And it's really a leadership book. He's talking about how a changing and complex world will create a remnant of renewed Christian leaders. And so uh, he's speaking really to the church, and he describes, there's a chapter in here, chapter seven, where he talks about being a non-anxious presence in an anxious age. Mm -hmm. And he really just kind of goes at it and says, you know what, one of our callings as we engage in culture today as Christians is to bring a non-anxious presence to an anxious age. And one of the things he describes is the connectivity of our world and the conflict and sort of division and all of the different things that are going on around us, how that creates this anxiety. So yes. one of the key ideas he brings forward, if I can kind of refer to this chapter, is he talks about how a more connected world is a, a more conflicted and therefore anxious world. Yes. Think about the proliferation of connections that we have. Many can be good, mm -hmm. can be used redemptively, can result in relational depth. But largely, like if we're honest, a lot of the connection, a lot of the proliferation of um, connectivity within people results in superficial connection, or at least um, connection that comes from a sense of me projecting an image to others, and then they interact with my image management. Yes. So this this uh, hyper-connected world causes an environment where anxiety will spike. This mm -hmm. is what he described. So how does that strike you, Paul? Well, I, while you were speaking, uh, I was thinking about a couple of parody artists, one, Weird Al Yankovic, <laughs> and another uh, a local man here in Minneapolis named Heatbox, and he has a song called Bad Internet Friend. And one of the lyrics is, uh, I'm a bad friend because I didn't like every meal you posted on Facebook. And of course, <laughs> Al talks about that often. I call Al Yankovic a cultural Cuisinart. He, in fact, he probably calls himself that too, where he observes the quirks of our culture. And so the reason I, I bring up these comedic singers is because they shed truth. By the way, comedy is a door into truth oftentimes. And uh, the idea of the such surface artificiality of saying that you're always putting a happy face on, everything mm -hmm. has to be like, I am the uh, the Stepford people and, and beautiful people that never have problems, never have bad hair days, never have problems with the kids or marriages. Yeah. Well, that that's false. Now, again, it's not against celebrating the good. We want to do that. In fact, the last episode of 29, we talked about celebrating milestones, yeah. celebrating moments, living with time. Quantity time makes, makes quality time oftentimes. But we don't want to get into that trap where we're all about image management, and therefore we never get deeper, and, and we're always having to put on a facade, or therefore judging others if they happen to have a bad day, or admit, as one of our uh, congregants here recently said, I need prayer, I'm, I have anxiety. And so I told this person, I've been praying for you as the Lord brings you to mind, and I got a hug out of it. So it's really good to be vulnerable for each other and not have to yeah. always put that facade out because the connections, if they're devoid of transparency and depth, they will just lead to artificiality and it's a vicious cycle of perpetuating. I have to put this brave face on or no one will accept me. Yeah. I think a lot of us feel that pressure. Yes. And and it is crushing no matter who you are or what age you are, but especially when you're in a developmental stage. Mm. I mean, I've been reading and I guess we could we could refer to specific studies and such. I've got those resources here and not in front of me, but there's some really significant research being done and some books and, and articles written about the impact on especially young people, especially yes. teenagers, especially preteens, um, and, and specifically, honestly, young, young women, uh, on the impact of this in psychologically or like mentally, mm -hmm. emotionally, spiritually. The, t n none of us 
should have to live under the pressure of having to project a perfect image to the world. Like yes. there is no human being capable of carrying that load except for Jesus. That's right. Amen. <laughs> right? That 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 um, none of us were, were made for that. For that for that kind of pressure and it creates an anxiety. So now there's anxiety comes from so many different realms. You can have anxious thoughts about work because of the uncertainty of job situation or potential future in your role or in your career. You could have anxious thoughts about the economy and about financial situations. Many of us feel the pressure of recent inflation and interest rates or whatever other things are going on in the broader economy. And, and health. Yeah, and health. In the last three years, that's oh been my kind of the operative word as yes. far as, let's all be terrified for health. Whereas, wait a minute here, Jesus said, what yeah. is, no, James said in James 4, what is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while. And then Jesus did say in, in the yeah. Matthew 6 Sermon on the Mount, do not be anxious because you're worth more than food. In fact, I'll add, you're more worth than your health. Yes, there's a line from The Princess Bride, if you haven't got your health, you haven't got anything. That's just before <laughs> the pit of despair. Uh, yeah. But no, that's not true. It's not biblical. Health is a, a good gift, but it's not the all in all because yeah. this body they may kill, God's truth abides still. To be absent from the bodies to be risen of the Lord, that's Martin Luther and it's uh, Paul. But uh, no, that's, I just wanted to add health yeah. in addition to finances, in addition to geopolitics, yeah. in addition to personal safety, uh, security for your family, the, the mental health of your children. Yeah. There's so many anxious uh, triggers. So many things. And I'm sure you listeners, you could probably name off a hundred more. You know, there's so many things that bombard us day by day that can cause anxiety. And mm -hmm. so we're just acknowledging some of these realities. I think that as I read some of these things from Mark Sayers, he's trying to help us understand the cultural context, all of these things that cause anxiety, but that we we can how how we act or 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 what we do in those moments really matters a lot. Yes. And one word that he brings up that as is uh, very helpful for me is that in an anxious environment, and I'll just say, apart from a gospel-centered, um, you know, spirit-led, like redemptive approach, if you're going to try and address anxiety on your own or in your mm. flesh or through this world, that he uses this word uh, reactivity, mm -hmm. and he it's he didn't make this up. It's part of some other you know dialogue and research has been done, and, and others who've written about the topic of living in an anxious culture, but there's something about how when we find ourselves bombarded constantly with anxiety-producing things, mm -hmm. that we get into this reactive mode. We constantly feel that we have to react to this, react to that, react to that. It's almost like putting the shield up, put it the shield up, put the shield up. Mm -hmm. and, and the reactivity gets you into this almost codependent or like cycle of never feeling that you actually arrive at a place of rest or peace ever. Yes. You're just constantly, moment by moment, scroll by scroll through my phone or through mm -hmm. my social media or through my watching the news on cable TV that I am constantly bombarded with anxious things. And therefore, I'm constantly in this cycle of reactivity. Yes. And that, he says, is incredibly damaging to us. That's right. And I'll just give a quick personal anecdote. Uh, David Veland, our consultant for church uh, things here, does say stories are important. This is not a story. I'll just give an anecdote. Uh, I am obsessed with podcasts. I love listening to podcasts. I love watching YouTube channels, Rumble channels, other internet uh, website channels. But one decision I made this summer, and I did refer to this in an earlier podcast, I, I, every day I am intentionally 
turning off my podcasts mm. to listen to music. Now, Christmas season is really easy for that. By yeah. the way, my Christmas playlist is 27 hours long. <laughs> and we're talking old school. I have hard copy CDs. And then Wendy, my gracious yeah. wife, did upload it to a playlist on my phone. But the point is, even I, who I, I would say I'm quasi a news junkie, but I'm also a, a junkie of ideas and words. And, and I can't get enough when I speak. Therefore, I listen as well. But to listen to music for me is a way to go from anxiety that is induced by all these podcasts because I want to be informed, but yeah. I can't be obsessed. Yeah, exactly. And then when I listen to The Messiah, as I did this week, I did a 13-mile run, listened to the entire soundtrack of The Messiah, and that was a very therapeutic thing. And yeah. guess what? I didn't get two hours of podcasting, but I got to hear the word of God sung from George Frederick Handel from 300 years ago. It was awesome. Yeah, it is so cool. I think that you're, you're onto something there in the changes that we can make or the kinds of things that we need to shift back to mm. uh, in order to sort of recover from this reactivity of constantly feeling bombarded by anxious things and then sort of finding yourself stuck. Yeah. So one of the things Mark Sayer says is that in the cultural times we're living in, he says that we, he, he says this, reflection is replaced by reactivity. Mm. He said, we, we often find ourselves reacting where we feel we're constantly in these places of our emotional pitches at like a fever pitch that we're constantly um, told we have to have a, a strong dogmatic opinion about everything <laughs> yeah, and, and, share like, it. <laughs> and share it with everybody and tell them that they're wrong. If they disagree, oh boy. he says, we've, we've replaced contemplation and thoughtfulness and being restful and just being present yes. with reacting to things that come at us with an equal reaction mm. of just as much fervor and anger and and pointing fingers yeah. and he says that is going to destroy you i yes. mean it will like it will it will poison your heart mm -hmm. and turn to bitterness yeah. and turn to other things and again i'm speaking to myself audience i i struggle a lot against the injustices going on in our world and and the freedoms that are being taken away and all those things but if it weren't for the blood of christ and the spirit that indwells us by god's will and we have that deposit as it says in ephesians 1:14 the holy spirit is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance ephesians 1:13 and 14 if we didn't have of the Trinity at our side, we would be sucked in to the constant cycle and whirlpool of, uh, or tempest of, of anxiety. But let's overcome that. Let's not let the troubles of this world overcome the joy and therefore the joy that should be contagious by sharing the gospel with others. Yes. And that's, that's the um, corner we need to turn now. And um, we'll get, we'll kind of get this conversation started and probably pick it up in a second episode. But we need to talk about, okay, what's, what do we do? Who are we as Christians? Yes. How do we engage in a moment like this? There's heart work we need to do within ourselves mm -hmm. because I don't want to live in this reactivity of anxiety, anxiety, anxiety. But I also want to be a positive, redemptive mm. influence and witness for Christ in the culture around me. Yes. So one of the ways, and we'll sort of launch from here and then okay. go into some biblical texts and some ideas um, from Scripture that help us understand this, but Mark Sayers just sort of um, gives a direction here. He says, in an anxious environment, he says that we, and he's speaking primarily to leaders, but I think this applies to every single one of us as a Christian. He says, in an anxious environment, we leverage influence by being a non-anxious presence. Mm-hmm. He said, one of the most important things you can do is that when you walk in the room to spend time with your friends, when you uh, come in the doors on church on Sunday morning, when you have a phone call with a family member, 
when you are at, uh, you know, a holiday event <laughs> like Christmas or something, <laughs> or if you're just spending time with uh, your spouse, that you bring a sense of non-anxious, restful, I'm present and I'm okay. I've got, and, and that obviously is built on the gospel, so we're going to get there in just a moment here. But he says that rather than trying to play, like fight fire with fire, mm. try and shout down the others mm. who you think are wrong or engage in culture by the way that the culture engages. He says that we need to totally take a different tactic. It's mm. a gospel-centered one. It's one centered on the peace of Christ that surpasses all understanding. Amen. And following the Prince of Peace and what he mm. did, mm -hmm. and we, bring, we need to be ones who bring a non-anxious presence to everywhere we go, our workplaces, families, friendships, neighborhoods, everything. So let's just start. Maybe here's a good place to start, Paul, if I may. Yes. How, when we reflect on, let's start right at the center. How did Jesus be a non-anxious presence when he interacted with people? Let's just play out a couple scenarios as we look sure. at some of the gospel stories. Mm -hmm. I look at instances where I love reading in the gospels when Jesus talks to his disciples. They are often like, we don't understand Jesus. And <laughs> oh my goodness, what are we going to do next? And we don't have enough food. What are we yeah. going to do for all these people who are hungry? And it's just like every comment they make almost is all like, uh, we're not sure what, uh, we don't know. It's all, it's many times you could look at it and say, geez, they, they don't have this sense of, of uh, a restfulness at this moment. Now you can understand mm -hmm. why they're sinful human beings just like I am. I would have reacted the same way most yep. likely. Mm -hmm. But then you look at Jesus and how he talks to his disciples, how he speaks to people who are um, dealing with whatever illness or, or a demon or I don't know, whatever other ways that he's interacting with somebody, somebody who's, who has a, a physical ailment even. And the way I can just picture in my mind's eye how Jesus would bring a non-anxious, he would just look someone in the eye and you could see, like I can just imagine, you'd see on his face this sense of presence and rest and compassion and love, mm -hmm. even in the face of someone who's incredibly anxious. Mm -hmm. That's who Jesus is. And I'll add a word, authority. Yeah. Yes. Think of the yeah. <clears throat> Sermon on the Mount, how, who gave him this authority? And we yeah. see that in the other synoptic gospels as well. But uh, Jesus' authority gave him the presence to say, I am in control. Yep. It's okay. Whether I'm on the cross, which is yep. the ultimate sacrifice and the pinnacle of love, followed by the triumph of the resurrection, whether it's the pinnacle of the cross or whether he is teaching thousands on the Sermon of the Mount yep. or in the temple, especially during Holy Week before he went onto the cross. Uh, and anytime he was, I don't think there's any indication in all the Gospels, anytime he was out of control, therefore out of authority, but because of that, he had the confidence in his Heavenly Father to be peaceful for the uh, disciples. And yeah. this was through his own poverty. We know from uh, 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, though his through his poverty, we became rich. So Jesus was poor. Yeah. Uh, and not to say poor is a virtue in and of itself, but he chose to become poor, to live among the people, but then his authority as the son of yeah. God, as our advocate, is what gives us the power to be peaceful in every circumstance yeah. on this earth in 2023. Yeah, of course, of course. There's so many dimensions to this because, you know, we could play it out or we could read specific examples. But I just think, listeners, as you think about, go and read some of these accounts from the Gospels mm -hmm. and look at how Jesus interacts with people. I had a professor once, a, a, a mentor of mine, he just said, when you read about how Jesus 
interacts with others in his public ministry in the Gospels, especially like a good example is John 11 when, yes. <laughs> when Lazarus dies. And this is what my mentor said to me. He said, you just have to understand, Jesus is never anxious. Mm-hmm. He's fully present. And he's always on time. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like he's always, he's, <laughs> he's going to bring this sense of purpose and presence and a peace to every situation. Mm-hmm. This is who Jesus is. This is our savior. And so uh, even just starting there, I think it's important to reflect on how Jesus embodied that in his earthly ministry. And of course, that is who he is, the mm-hmm. Prince of Peace. Yes, it's part of it's part of the central elements of how we understand what he what it means to be redeemed and walk in his ways. And by the way, speaking of Prince of Peace, in this Advent season or year round, mm-hmm. if you haven't gone back and read any part of Isaiah, now I just mentioned the Messiah. I listened to that probably ten times in Advent every year, and and maybe some other times as well. But Isaiah is a, a chief text that Handel used to write the Messiah. Mm. Prince of Peace is right out of Isaiah nine six. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Prince of Peace, Everlasting Father. Father. And um, the other thing I just want to say, and then we're yep. going to wrap it up soon, yep. I would like to bookend the end of this episode and the beginning of episode 31 mm-hmm. about Anxious to Peaceful yeah. with, I think this is a great operative passage about Anxious to Peaceful because the words are right in there, at least in the ESV. Yep. Uh, Philippians 4, 6, and 7, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be, be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And by the way, fast forward to a couple of verses later, the God of peace is mentioned in Philippians 4, 9. So the peace of God and the God of peace. It's a really interesting bookmark. And the context of that is don't be anxious. And by the way, don't be anxious is a command. We know that Paul was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write that. So we can consider that right from the word of the Heavenly Father himself. Do not be anxious, but how? The peace of God. Yeah, exactly. And I think this this is a good place to land, and then we'll pick it up next time. I think for us to recognize and or for us to really know that and embody that is we just have to be be reminding ourselves embrace and step into living in the security that we have in Christ through the gospel. Yes. So let me just remind you listeners. Yes. When you know that I did not earn my salvation, that God in his great compassion and kindness and his sovereign plan from eternity past has chosen to send his son Jesus Christ to live and die and rise again in my place to die for Mm -hmm. my sins Mm -hmm. and then redeem me from what I owed and the wrath of God and then wash me clean of all of that, be regenerated by the Holy Spirit to then be a child of God by grace through faith, Mm -hmm. by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. When I stand in that reality adopted as his child, I now have this unbelievable secure reality. I didn't earn it. He did it for me. It's a gift. So when you sit in the truth of that, I am a beloved child. Preach it, Pastor. I'm a beloved child. I am a (laughs) child of God, blood-bought child of God. Yes. That when you sit in that reality and you remind yourself day by day, when you have friends remind you of that, when you when you just when you write that in your prayer journal, when Mm. you when you say that out loud in your prayers to the Lord and say, Thank you for what you have done for me. Like I didn't deserve it, but I am your child, secure by Christ's blood. That gospel-centered reality is the only foundation you will find peace. That's right. I will say, I mean, that is just full stop. That's the only way that we can move out of an anxious culture, move out of an anxious cycle, and come into 
the truth and reality of the gospel. Now, it has a million ways it plays out, and I'm not saying that that's... Sometimes you will struggle with anxiety over the long haul in different ways. It doesn't mean that it automatically is eliminated. No. But... It's a lifetime of daily work. Yes, but it does mean that in an ultimate sense, we do not have to worry. Yes. And and Jesus says this, you don't have to worry. He says this in the in the Sermon on the Mount. You see the you see the flowers? Yes. <laughs> you see the how beautiful they are. You see the birds? See how I provide for the my creation and my creatures? Mm-hmm. Don't you think like if I if I provide that for them, if they're that beautiful, don't you think I provide for you? And there's Amen. this sense of don't worry, do not be anxious. The God of peace, the God of peace has redeemed you and love like God loves you. Yes. And you can sit secure in that even as we're bombarded day by day with anxious things. And therefore we can trust him. So that's a great parallel to the word peace is trust. So we trust that you will follow the Christ wherever he may lead in this Advent 2023, looking to 2024, not with anxiety, but with a peace of Christ that surpasses all understanding. We'll see you in episode 31 coming up on Roots and Branches.